Dakota St. Clair, and I'm joined by my two incredible co-hosts. I'm Vince. And I'm Daphne Malfitano. The pizza and the pasta and the V to the I to the N to the C to the E are here. <laughs> Everyone it was so has, formal. It was too formal. It was fine. It was fine. I said incredible. You guys don't even have a pulse. It's fine. We're going to get through no, this. No, it's I gave one. It was the duality of human. I gave one syllable. Daphne gave a hell of one. One million. Has, see, this is the thing. It, it, it can't never not be cerebral. Um, <laughs> have you guys met my friend Cerebro? Um, oh, my cerebro. <laughs> so, yeah. So, hi, welcome. It's another M4 episode. And this week, we're tackling Aphrodite. Twinkle, twinkle, twinkle. Hi, I'm Aphrodite. It's me, Aphrodite. Oh. So, we are tackling Aphrodite this week. And so, of course. I had so many stories to choose from, and I was so like, oh my God, what if I go this way? What if I go this way? And I'll tell you right now, we all know that the Greek myths have endured for eons, right? Like, not only in their original forms, but in the stories that they went on to inspire. And mm-hmm. so, this story be so, being so intrinsically linked with Aphrodite and inspiring so many iconic stories, I thought, you know what? This has got to have the standalone Enforcement treatment. So... The story that we're covering today was the source material that led to the creation of Beauty and the Beast, Cinderella, Rumpelstiltskin, The Little Mermaid, and arguably many other fairy tales and folk tales and fables and stories. Well, before we get started, Uh I just want to plant something in the audience's Uh mind, which is that every time you hear the name Aphrodite, you should see like that Jetsons animation of the shine slide from the beginning of the word all the way to the end and then sparkle. Oh, that's the sparkle you every were doing before. Time. I get it now. Yeah, the, yeah. Oh, I thought it was going to be like a the more you know star in rainbow kind of sparkle. You're saying I it's think where it's, it's not, like an animation not, where it kind of just like yeah. highlights the, the word, like going I feel down like, the word. I feel like the more you know is a little too, um, too of the people. For what I'm going for, I'm wow. going for like wow. I'm going for like uh, real hey, elitist whoa, this here. Is Aphrodite. Look at are this. We, are you kidding me? Uh, Her name is just like what? glimmering. It's not because we're teaching you anything. It's the Venus star. I was trying <laughs> to show some respect. Imagination. <laughs> so you just totally cut out SpongeBob, right? Because SpongeBob was like a communist fucking prick and like of the people or of what? the people. Listen, I mean, what SpongeBob's relationship to Venus is is has nothing to do with me. Um, as uh, someone who identifies as black, uh, I'm a professional at staying in my own fucking lane. So SpongeBob <laughs> and Venus can do whatever they gotta do. Um, who knew and skip asking over Neptune? If... <laughs> who knew asking about SpongeBob SquarePants in relation to the Greek goddess Aphrodite could get so fraught with intersectionality <laughs> and lanes and staying in them? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm it's a gonna, good idea usually. I'm going to say in my lane is the storyteller because I feel like shots were just fired in my direction <laughs> from a conch shell that was modded into a fucking <laughs> shot, shotgun. Jesus Christ! <laughs> oh, it was 
Right. It wasn't pointed. It was a general advisory. It was pointed in my direction. <laughs> my God. <laughs> Fucking SpongeBob SquarePants. Just that's there you go. Always stirring up controversy. What do you not talk about at a Thanksgiving family dinner? War, Sponge. politics, religion, and SpongeBob SquarePants. Ah, apparently, that's what they always say. That's what they. That's say. what they say. Yeah. I'm that's, telling you. That's so true beyond what you could possibly know about my actual family. Oh, Lord. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So, <laughs> let's dive into the story. All right, everybody, buckle up. Put on your seashell bras. Get into the mood. Long weave pussy good is the protocol. <laughs> there once was a mortal woman a princess born to a king and queen and the youngest of three sisters her name was psyche and she was exceedingly beautiful to the point that the people of her city even the priests thought her to be a goddess among mortals so beautiful was she that the people not only compared her to aphrodite but they began to desert her temples choosing to make their offerings to this mortal woman instead Vince and I are shaking our heads because we yeah, know how just, this goes. <laughs> you know, you get, you get, just, you get around and you figure some shit stay out. Stay in your fucking lane. <laughs> decide to not figure it out. And I don't understand why that would benefit them. Okay. Aphrodite was outraged. But surprise. instead of punishing. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> but, but instead of punishing her by turning her into a hideous animal or inciting a natural lust towards her father or a rock or something, (laughs) she decided to send her beloved son Eros to seek out Psyche, kidnap her, carry her far away, then strike her with one of his infamous arrows in order to make her fall in love with a vile, horrible person. Oh. Eros sought her out, carrying out his mother's orders, right? But when he laid eyes upon the princess, he was immediately overwhelmed by her beauty and fell madly in love with her as if he had been struck himself by one of his own arrows. Meanwhile, her two sisters had gotten married to kings and left to be queens of their respective realms. But no one pursued Psyche. Her beauty was so transcendent, so legendary, that no man dare attempt to lay claim to it. So she was alone. And this brought her great sadness. Her father loved her very much, and seeing her suffering brought him grief, so he sought out the Oracle of Delphi for the answer to her plight. The Oracle, speaking Apollo's words, pronounced, Despair, O king. Your daughter will marry a beast that even the gods fear. Dress her in funeral clothes and take her to the tallest rock spire in the kingdom. There she shall meet her doom. Wow. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's not great. That's not a great that's tough, response. You know, that's not <laughs> yeah. what you want to get back. I mean, I know that, you know, we, you can't like, really depend on the Oracle of Delphi for like a Hallmark greeting card level response. But he's like, like, is there fair, something yeah. else I could do? Like, is there any he's other? Like, is there just... <laughs> he's trying to look for like the like... ancient Greek version of Tinder yeah. or like, you know, Bumble. He's like, can I get her on an app? Can I get her? <laughs> Should I get her a makeover? And nope. He, Funeral attire, like, top of the mountain. Oh, no. She's going to. Oh, we're all going to die. She's going first mm-hmm. it's like jesus christ i guess like, he shouldn't oh. have asked <laughs> no so of course this news devastated the king however he was not a man foolish enough to ignore the words of the great oracle so he took psyche dressed in funeral garments to the tallest spire in his realm and left her there psyche waited for the monster to appear and consumer however nothing and no one came 
distraught and still hoping to save her kingdom from danger and herself from misery, she called out to the gods for a sign, ready to throw herself from the spire if it would save her people from ruin. And that is when a flock of doves appeared. Psyche took this as a benevolent omen and sighed with relief. However, these doves had been sent by the vengeful Aphrodite, and so, despite their beauty, they descended upon her, viciously attacking her as if she were, say, the last French fry in a McDonald's parking lot. <laughs> Left with no choice, she hurled herself from the spire. The end. No. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> Thanks for joining us this week, everybody. Uh, you know, we're all serious. <laughs> Don't piss off Aphrodite. You will not make it. Um... <laughs> Wow. wow. But all wow. was not lost, as Aphrodite was not the only god watching this whole affair. Okay, I was going to ask. Yeah. As she plummeted to her death, Zephyrus, the West Wind, wrapped oh. Psyche in his arms and carried her off. She awoke alone in a tranquil meadow. Rising up, she wandered about and stumbled upon a fabulous palace, crafted from precious metals and stones and adorned with ornate designs. A disembodied voice welcomed her and told her to make herself comfortable, leading her to a hall where a magical dinner served itself, every object oh. moving and dancing to the rhythm of the lyre and the singing, which seemed to come from nowhere. Uh -huh. Later, that voice led her to a lush bedroom with the finest arrangements and then seduced her into a night of passion. She fell asleep holding her lover, the one with the luminous voice, but when she awoke, she found herself alone again. And this is how things carried on for some time. Her lover, who owned this grand palace, would visit her at night and depart before dawn. And soon enough, she was with child. Psyche's family was bereft at the loss of her, and Eros took pity upon them. So he asked Zephyrus to carry her two sisters to the palace so that they might be comforted to see that she was alive and well. And this would have been fine, but her sisters were stunning beauties in their own right, and they had been forced to live in the shadow of Psyche's nearly divine countenance. So they had been nursing jealousy in their hearts for years. And when they saw the absolute splendor that their sister was living in, their envy overtook them. They sought to destroy her happiness by convincing her that the prophecy had in fact come true. Her mystery love was obviously the hideous beast that the oracle had foretold her to marry, and he was definitely going to destroy her and devour their baby. This left her utterly shaken. What was she to do? She had such a wonderful life, and she was overjoyed at the thought of bearing a child. However, she couldn't get past her lover's one rule, that she must never lay eyes on him. What if her sisters were right? What if he was the monster? And what did that mean for the baby growing inside of her womb? Was that a monster as well? One night after he had fallen asleep, Psyche, following her sister's instructions, carefully got out of their bed, snuck across the room, and uncovered the dagger and the lamp that she had planted there earlier, preparing herself to see the monster and to kill it as well. But when the light shone on the figure in her bed, she was astonished to see the most beautiful creature she had ever seen. In her shock, she had stumbled back a bit and caught herself on one of the arrows in his quiver, and it filled her with a transcendent lust. 
She rushed back towards her lover to be with him once more, but in her haste, she spilled a drop of the hot oil from the lamp on his perfect skin and woke him. He looked at her mournfully, said nothing, and fled. She tried to pursue him, but could never keep up with the winged god. She crossed paths with Pan, who immediately saw that she was under the arrow's sway. She piously acknowledged his divinity, and he offered to help her. She began to wander the earth, looking for her lover, and after she emerged from the forests, parting ways with Pan, she visited each of her sisters. Both were delighted to hear of her misfortune, and were thrilled to hear that not only was her lover a god, but that she had angered him. So each sister, unbeknownst to the other, took their turn climbing the spire, calling out to the wind, hurling herself from it to be caught by Zephyrus and carried off to the magical palace, just as Psyche had done. And each of her sisters plummeted to a gruesome death. Yeah. During her wanderings of the earth, Psyche came across a temple to Demeter that was beautiful, but seemingly abandoned and in total disarray. She stopped her search, cleaning, organizing, and caring for the neglected sanctuary. Demeter then appeared to her, offering her aid to this kind stranger who had done this thing. But when she saw that it was Psyche, she lamented for the poor girl admitting that she could not bless a mortal already cursed by another god, in this case, Aphrodite. The same happened later on at a temple to Hera. And so Psyche decided that she must become a priestess of Aphrodite. Wow. Yeah. Aphrodite was exceedingly cruel to her, accepting her into her service, but setting upon her Oasis, the personification of misery, woe, distress, and suffering, and her retinue of handmaidens, the Algea, the spirits of pain, grief, and sorrow. They, together, were the consummate cause of weeping and tears in the universe. Aphrodite abused (laughs) and assaulted Psyche, enraged at this pretender having seduced and beguiled her precious son and having become pregnant in the process. She rent her garments, physically beat her, and left her in a pile of rags and tears. Aphrodite then spilled a mountain of wheat, barley, poppy seed, chickpeas, lentils, and beans in front of Psyche and set her the impossible task of sifting and sorting them into separate piles before the dawn. She then composed herself and dressed in her finest garments and adorned herself with her finest jewels and left to attend a fabulous wedding among the gods. Psyche sat there bereft and began to sort the pile in front of her, but couldn't help but crumble under the pressure as this task was impossible for a mortal like her to accomplish in such a short amount of time. And it was then that an ant noticed her plight and took pity upon her calling its great family to her side and swarming the pile with their diligent work. And it was just before dawn that Aphrodite arrived home, drunk from the festivities, to see six perfectly neat, sorted piles on the floor in front of the mortal girl. Her fury renewed itself and she flew into a blind rage. At dawn, she sent her a second task. She brought her to a river across from which grazed the sacred flocks of Helios, who bore a luminous golden wool. She told her that she must gather up enough wool to fill a basket before she returned. The problem is that these sheep are known to be highly dangerous and prone to extreme violence if approached by any mortal, not to mention what Helios would do if he caught her. A distraught Psyche set set out to cross the river, unsure of how she could survive this task, 
when a stark wind blew through the reeds carrying a song and hidden within the song she heard a voice which told her to check the thistles briars and brambles for the wool which had been caught there she did so and aphrodite returned to see a full basket of wool and was now silently seething with fury <laughs> the third task set Psyche to fill a crystal flask with the black waters which flowed at the joint source of the Styx and Cockatus rivers. This was precarious enough as it required her to clamber over sharp cliffs and hang in a precarious position to catch the waters themselves, but there were also dragons crawling all over the rocks. Oh. At this point, Zeus himself took pity on the girl and sent what? his eagle to take on the dragons and keep them distracted while she <laughs> gathered up the water. That's Aphrodite said nothing when she saw the crystal flask full of black water. She set one final task for Psyche, a quest into the underworld. She was to take a box, not unlike the one carried by Pandora, and capture within it a dose of Persephone's beauty. Now, why in the world does the goddess of beauty need this? Aphrodite claimed that her beauty was fading due to exhaustion and stress brought on by caring for her injured and ailing son. The son, who lived in the part of Aphrodite's palace, that Psyche was never allowed to enter. Well, this was officially too much for Psyche. She knew that the goddess just wanted her dead, and going to the underworld seemed the worst way to make that happen, so she climbed to a high cliff ready to throw herself from it when the rocks all around her began to speak, advising her how to find the entrance to the underworld and warning her to carry cakes of honeyed barley in each hand and two coins in her mouth. Wow. The rocks then spoke with ominous gravity. She must totally ignore three sights that she would come across in her journey. She must not speak to them or pay them any attention. She would see, first, a man driving an overburdened mule. Second, a dead man swimming in the river between life and death. And lastly, three old women silently weaving. And she must remember that the cakes were reserved for Cerberus, because he's a good boy. Oh. And the coins for Charon, the ferryman. She followed the instructions to the letter and made her way unscathed until she entered the throne room of Hades and Persephone. They heard her request and both had compassion for her plight. Persephone gladly fulfilled the mortal's humble request, knowing all too well the ordeals that she had been through. She took the box into her chambers and emerged with it shortly thereafter and explained to Psyche how to find her way to the surface. She followed these instructions as well, and at once she was in the sunlight, she found a tree to sit beneath in order to catch her breath for a second. As she sat there collecting her thoughts, her eyes alighted on the box. What had Persephone done with it? What did a drop of beauty look like, let alone from a goddess? And what did Aphrodite want with it anyway? I mean, she looked the, she didn't look any different to Psyche. So, curiosity getting the better of her, Psyche opened the box, and inside she saw only darkness. And then her vision went dark as well. For in the box lay infernal Stygian sleep, a trap laid by Aphrodite, and Psyche fell into a deep eternal sleep. Now, at this point, you might be wondering just where in the hell Psyche's lover has run off to. Well, it turns out that her beloved was, of course, none other than Eros, god of love and son of Aphrodite. Apparently, he had run off to her palace to nurse his physical and emotional wounds after the incident, and then Aphrodite, who initially welcomed him, 
caught wind that the girl who broke his heart was that mortal bitch Psyche who had stolen her worshippers. So then Aphrodite goes full-blown Munchausen mommy by convincing him that he needs more and more time to rest, that he's very, very ill, and that he cannot leave the palace under any circumstance. Well, it's around this point when, you know, Psyche's taking her death nap that he has not only recovered, but he's also sussed out exactly what his mother is up to. So he flew out the window in his chambers and searched for his beloved. It wasn't long before he found her in her deathly sleep beneath the tree at the entrance to the underworld. He saw the box and worked out what had happened. He drew the sleep from her face into the box and covered it once more, and then pricked her with one of his arrows, which would do no harm. He lifted her in his arms and took flight for the palace. Keeping her safe and standing by her side, he watched as she presented the box to a completely astounded Aphrodite. They then took off for Olympus, for you see, Eros had a plan. All that time spent apart from her had shown him just how deeply their love ran, and in their reunion it was clear that the feeling was mutual. Once at Olympus, Eros pled his case to Zeus, in exchange for his arrows and his assistance with anyone that Zeus fancied in the future. So Zeus called upon Hermes to rally the gods for an assembly, during which he made a public statement approving Psyche's ascension to godhood, Wow. rebuking Aphrodite for her actions and warning her against ever crossing the new goddess again and giving Psyche ambrosia, granting her immortality. It was then that Zeus revealed her role, which no one had any idea what it was going to be. Psyche was the newly anointed goddess of the soul. Its journey, its transformation, and its evolution. Hmm. The two were then married, and a wedding and subsequent festival was held unlike any other in memory. The hore covered everything in flowers, the graces suffused the air with fragrant balsam, Dionysus provided the wine, Demeter provided the grain, and Artemis provided a sacred stag, which Hestia and Hephaestus took care of cooking. Athena wove a stunning gown for the bride, Ares provided their chariots, Poseidon provided the horses, and Hera presided over the wedding. The muses sang and Apollo played his lyre and the satyrs blew their aulos and Pan led them on his panpipes. And at the center of their music was the queen Aphrodite, dancing without a care. She smiled warmly and welcomed her daughter-in-law and danced with her, giving her blessing to the newest goddess on Olympus. And eventually Eros and Psyche had a daughter and her name was Hedone the personification of delight, enjoyment, and sensual pleasures. And of course, she too was exceedingly beautiful. Okay. Oh, that had a very happy ending. It's wild because... You had to go through well, a lot, though. I, I want to hear yeah. what you guys think first before I tell you what I think. So what do you think? How'd you like the story? I will say that I, I had the thought process of like, man, Aphrodite's being a total jerk right now. And then I was like, yeah... But the whole thing is because Aphrodite got crossed. Am I crossing Aphrodite right now? And then I had this like intense like feeling of like, where is Venus? Direct is it directly above me right now? <laughs> I'm gonna shut up in my head right now. Um, <laughs> um, I do think because... it's important to point out that Psyche had nothing to do with what happened. She didn't really, and she didn't cross her. She didn't cross her. She at didn't all. cross her. She was just it was like the people. The... It's like it's not her yeah, fault. She's so like... beautiful. 
Like, well, and there's, yeah, even, there's versions of the story that suggest that she did try to stop people, and they took that as confirmation that she must be a goddess. I mean, she went as far as... Like, it was like a be- no-win. To become yeah. a, like, a priestess. and so, You know, like, she was definitely trying really hard to not be a problem. But For sure. there was, like, no way. Yeah, that made me feel oh. pretty bad. I've never... I never really thought of <laughs> Aphrodite being this vindictive. And I guess this is still, like, limp compared to some of the other goddesses. Like, it's still pretty... Oh, no. Her no. her vindictive yeah. nature is actually one of her most, like, infamous qualities. I just... I mean, I guess I don't think of her as as violent or something. But it... it I mean, this was pretty brutal, but it wasn't... Mm. It, I, it was more just, like toxic like she's just like oh i'm gonna never let you in i'm just gonna give you harder and harder it's like the popular girl who won't let the other girl in the group but like keeps giving her things to do to try to prove herself knowing she's never gonna prove herself oh they fully could have done a head count in ancient greece and gotten into i think the thousands among like mortals and gods if they said like all right raise your hand if you've been personally victimized by aphrodite like everyone would have raised their hands like she she's She's really really she was yeah i mean that's well the thing about her i don't know that she's mean and i think the ending proves that she's not mean the thing that is her defining feature in so many myths is that she is capricious Mm. she is entirely driven by instinct emotion and mood she has absolutely no baseline she swings between extremes constantly and that's why she's the perfect counterpart for aries Mm. because both of them are like youthful and impetuous and all over the place. So that's why she can kind of get over it also. Like, okay, mm-hmm. whatever, I'm done with this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean they're they're hot, beautiful, toxic idiots. I mean, today yeah. they would just be influencers. Like, that's yeah. all it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's really petty. <laughs> like the whole story is really petty. I feel really bad for Psyche. I love the story because of the amount of elements that you find in other stories. Oh yeah, it's so oh my god, so recognizable. Yeah, shout out to them ants. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's the other thing. It's never explicitly stated, but it's kind of obviously implied that at each of these trials, the other gods are like, we've had enough of Aphrodite's bullshit. We're going to help you out, Loki. Like, the the ants are Demeter. That's hands down, that's Demeter. Um, I don't, it explicitly says Zeus helps her. Because yeah. obviously, like, what's he Aphrodite didn't even hide say? it. He's just yeah, like, come like on. well, if he sends an eagle, they can't be like, who was that? Like, yeah, <laughs> like, who's that Pokemon? You know, like, yeah. obviously, that's fucking Zeus um, sending out, you know, uh, the eagle. But um, uh, the other two are kind of up for debate. It's interesting when you when you think about like the stones talking could easily be Gaia. Right? Because mm-hmm. Gaia does love to intervene when people have a good plan going. Um, yeah. And then the the reeds speaking is weird. Because it could be the winds helping her. Um, because so. the virus was already, well, already helped with arrows. Yeah. Could be the winds. Could also be um, somebody water connected. Um, so could could be Poseidon, you know. Um, it could be uh, just it, it, even if it's not Poseidon, even if if it was Poseidon, it'd be like the local myriads or nymphs or river spirits under his direction, and they're yeah. very sympathetic to people going through shit. So they could have just done it on their own. You know what I mean? Um, Are we not considering Hermes as one of the people? I think Hermes like could very, be one like... of them. I personally sometimes think like there's a reason Hermes doesn't appear in too many myths unless he's like delivering a message or an object. Because he's literally constantly running. That's also fair. But he could have been like, 
hey. Yeah, like, the was him running by. Being like, yo, hey, really quick, this is what you're going to do. Bye. He's an expert at stealing shit. That's true. Well, there's an entire story. You know what? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's an entire story where he fucks around with either Apollo or Helios's flocks. And it's his, like, first, like, troublesome trickstery crime as, like, a toddler. Like, that's yeah. literally, he does that. Oh, like, yeah, I remember he, that. We'll I feel like he could have just been, episode. like, sprinting on his way somewhere. He's like, you know what, let me just slide over <laughs> here real quick. Just... <laughs> it is yeah. cool that she's, like, helped by everybody, though, because it's it's obvious. I mean, it's clear to everyone that this is, like, ridiculous. Like, she didn't do anything. It's not, there are so many cases where people, like, people intentionally fuck with the gods or, like, you know, spite yeah. the gods. But, like, she didn't do anything. Well, and I mean, there's really no difference between the the gods helping her out and like Athena showing up and giving magical armor to one of the heroes. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's interesting because when you look at what she went through, there's a lot of people who are like, "Hey, like we don't ever really see anybody go through Herculean labors." I was about but that's literally what I was, I was thinking, thinking that as well. The, like we don't see a woman like, go through that, but this yeah. is very this obvious. This is very that. and she very has Hercules. to. Oh. She even to the point that she has to go to the underworld. Yeah, Which I thought Hercules this. Does. I was thinking the same thing the whole time. I was like, "This is reminding me so much of Hercules." Like, she yep. really is like getting it fucking thrown at her, and they're not. They're not like it's yeah. not like oh, she's a chick, so we'll give her easier ones. These are really hard. Oh, each one is like death defying. It's yeah. like, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But I love it that she gets. She... I mean, it's cool that she gets promoted to God and like gets to be with her love and like it's it's such a happy ending. What a nice what a nice little ending. Yeah. I know, right? And being like Lord of the Souls, the Souls, cool beautiful. Um, that's and like I, I only knew parts of the story from learning about psyche, from like psychology. The, yeah, yeah. Um, but like the transformation of the soul and like Plato and all that shit. Yeah. Um, which I think is 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 super cool now that I have like all, like it makes sense the like the kind of winged uh associations with it given how much air was involved in this story yeah i mean Um, it's really interesting when you look at like how the psychological and philosophical sort of um allegories and and treatments of this story emanate out from it but a mm -hmm. lot of them don't give enough credence i think to the original myth and how rich it is and why we've been mining it for thousands of years and finding more and more significance in it and so I think it's really, really wild to see. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I kind of wonder what's like is Psyche. Um, she like I didn't know. You know, I feel like there should be a little bit more. Rec- there should be like a tier system of like heroes, and then like above them, it's like heroes who had to go to the underworld and had to come back. Like I feel like Orphism yeah. does that some a little bit. Is like, hey, if you did it. You know, you're welcome here. Yeah, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, you know, like a mythological version of like the Purple Heart. You know, like yeah, yeah. Like that. You like, survived. Did you, get, did you get wounded in battle? Like we need that's that's different. You know, I'm and, gonna throw a real fringe one out there, but it's like beating Sephiroth in Kingdom Hearts two. There's like an elite Christ. amount of people who've done it. Yeah, and if you've done it, you can talk about it. But people who haven't done it, it's like I don't know what you know. What were you here to talk about? You didn't do it, and I feel like going down to the underworld. Like, it, like in the stories, I feel like it's like, and then they went down there. But it's like, yo, you have to like find the entrance. Yeah, there's hella rivers and like caves and shit you have to go by. Yeah, all of the shit that we talked about, like in the. Hades I was gonna episode. say we talked about all the like fucking warring games yeah. and shit. There's a lot going yeah. on. Yeah. And well, it's just like yeah, and then they went down there, and then there's the palace, and you're like, wait a minute. No, no, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty no. hard. But also, let's not even forget that like before she did any of her tasks, she got beaten within an inch of her life. 
by oh, not right. just Aphrodite, but Oisus, who remember from our very first episode, is one of the like terrifying litter of Nyx. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Oisus is like fucking band of horrible, sad creatures that just inflict <laughs> misery. And you're just like, oh my God, <laughs> like this is really bad. And it says that they like whipped her and tortured her at Aphrodite's command and then handed her back to Aphrodite and Aphrodite beat the living shit out of her. This is and why you like, should just be medium, medium hot at most. Like <laughs> I'm just, cap it off at medium hot. Like I think tr- super hot is just too much. It's not necessary. It's not necessary. And you're going to get yourself in trouble. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Also, if you're super hot, you, you need to prove you're, that you're not a sociopath. Because right. you have every piece of social conditioning in place that would allow you to think, like, that you're somehow Special. above everybody else, yeah. that you don't have any consequences to your actions because you probably haven't. Well, and you, you know probably I mean? haven't like, had to develop those other parts of your personality because everything right. just goes. But she was so mega hot that that didn't even work for her. She was, like, beyond that, and then everyone just hated her. Like, she didn't even yeah. have any friends because she was so hot. Even her sister. She didn't even get a bitches. chance. You know what yeah. I mean? But yeah, it's so funny all the tropes from fairy tales and stuff that are just like sprinkled in here. Like you get the evil stepmother, you get yeah. the evil si- stepsisters, uh, stepsisters yeah. or sisters in this case. But um, the the counting and dividing, turning straw into gold kind of thing. I love the dining the dining scene with the, where the dinner is serving itself. Uh, like, oh yeah, like the be- the bewitched <laughs> like you know house. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's very obviously like, oh, cool, the fucking teacup is talking to me right yeah, now. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. I think I had some of one. that bread that made me, lets me talk to the devil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyway, so that's That was our, awesome. Did you enjoy that? <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, anyway, thanks for tuning on, y'all. I'm Aphrodite for Aphrodite Radio. I ended up being nice in the end. Don't forget that, sparkle, honey. Sparkle. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right y'all thanks for joining us for another m4 episode we love that you came out to what are we talking about you didn't come out anywhere um so <laughs> <laughs> you came out to your phone you or computer pressed play on a device and we appreciate that you hung out with us uh for a half an hour so um if you are interested in talking to us about future episodes or just talking to us at all you know we fucking love you know the little pieces of um, mail that we've gotten from you guys so far. That's been great. Um, so, yeah, hit us up. Uh, you can email us in whengodwasqueer at gmail.com. TikTok and Instagram at whengodwasqueer. And you can also go to anchor.fm slash whengodwasqueer and leave us voice notes, which we're going to do a compilation of in an upcoming episode, which will be real fun. Uh, but other than that, it's time for our cacophony of queerness, which I think should probably be Scarlett O'Hara fied. Um, I thought we were. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I'm here for it. Ah, oh, decline. Um, all right. <laughs> here we go. I'm Everybody, be gay. Be gay. Do sexuality. Do, do, do all the crimes. crimes. Be nice crime. about it. Commit crimes a felony. Galoa. Set because a church on fire. Yes. Shoot please. a cop in the head. Do all oh, of these right, at the same right. time. That's right. Throw a priest down the stairs. All right. <laughs> the gods are always watching y'all. <laughs> you want some sweet tea? You get bonus points if you throw a priest down the stairs. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Like, you are a friend of the podcast if you throw a priest down the stairs. 
Oh yeah, immediately if we ever do a Patreon, you're like platinum level, like 100. Bye. Um, all right, bye. bye. <laughs> That's like our incentive. 